0: Hello and welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you for joining us once again. We are on part two of Real Life Stories with Stella Maynard. She's back with us once again. She was on our last podcast episode just sharing her heart and her story. Powerful story of how she grew up in a home with a father who was blind. Uh, has and Her story is she was molested as a young girl and we talked about how she uh, was uh, got pregnant and married as as a high schooler, and so just some crazy stuff. And she also just shared some powerful truth with us. So Stella, we're glad to have you back once again.
1: Thank you. For
0: part two. It's it's easy now, right? No. Nope. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about your story. We kind of got the the early phases of your life and we kind of led up to the point where you're mm-hmm graduating high school you're now uh pregnant and married and let's go from there
1: i was working at um st luke's nursing home and um i would walk to work as we didn't have a reliable vehicle had bought a car but um it had a hole in the radiator so i would walk across town out to i lived on the square where city hall is now Okay. Uh, there was an apartment up there above the sewing center, and I lived there. And I walked to St. Luke's out here on the other side of town until I passed out at work one day, and then they found out I was pregnant, and they cut my hours way back. And
0: did you know? Did you know you were pregnant at the time, or no? Yes. You did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I did. So they cut your hours way back. Mm-hmm.
1: And, of course, when I ran away from home to get married, my um, my dad disowned me, and I think his church told people not to talk to me, really. I mean, my husband and I tried to go to church there a little bit, but it didn't last very long. And... Um,
0: is the church you were going to at the time was called what again? What was the name the name of it?
1: It was the Worldwide Church of God. Then they were meeting at the Memorial Hall here in Carthage. Okay. So. And in that So it was I could walk to it. But
0: In that sphere of religion, that was bad being pregnant. Yes. Before you were married. Yes. Okay.
1: Um Then when Eric was born, my mom came to the hospital and after that, I got really sick, and she came and took care of me a little bit. By then, my husband was drinking a lot. He was The bar was, of course, easy access right there on the corner of the square. And then on the other corner, there was the bowling alley, so he could stay gone and um, drink and hang out and act like he was still single or whatever. And um, he was working... At the tire shop. He quit that job and started working at Bob's Shoe Warehouse.
0: So you got married more just because you were, and, you were supposed to at the time as opposed to...
1: Yeah, you're supposed there's to. There's this love.
0: Like, we just feel like...
1: You're supposed to be loyal. Mm-hmm. So... um He, um, his mom talked him into going into the service, so he went to basic training in Lawton, Oklahoma, and then when he got out of training, that's where we were going to be stationed, so we went up and found a trailer house, and I bought a little car here, and it had uh, the bench seat taken out, and someone had put in like bucket seats that didn't belong to that car and put bricks in the back of it to hold the seats up. nice yeah it was really classy <laughs> and Whoa. so in between i put the uh, i found a laundry basket that would be the right size and put pillows in it and that's where i put eric we didn't have car seats back in those days
0: back before yeah so, oh, man.
1: so yeah he rode in the laundry basket and we went to oklahoma and
0: Um, You got pictures of that still? That'd be pretty funny to see. I think I might have one
1: somewhere, but it's a black and white picture. (laughs) Having
0: four-year-old boys where four years ago, you know, they, before you leave the hospital, they make you do your check. They make sure that it's buckled in properly, that you know how to buckle it in, that it's a Mm -hmm. probably like, I don't know, four years later today, it's probably like a 20-point check system, blah, 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 you know, so that's funny.
1: Yeah. Well, when we, after we moved to Oklahoma, um, sometimes uh, my husband would pawn the TV because he didn't make the paycheck last for the whole month. You, you know, you got paid once a month. Actually, I think they send a check to the wife on the 15th, but you didn't really get to keep it, to you know, to use it for groceries and stuff like that. And, um he started um, getting violent when I was pregnant with Christy. And he was um, not just drinking, he was smoking pot and doing acid. And he would steal pills out of people's medicine chests just to see what they would do to him. Wow. Um, just crazy stuff like that. Um, He would be sometimes so out of it that I would have to dress him in his Army clothes while he was in bed, and I'd spit-shine his boots for him and put his boots and everything on him so he could pass inspection so he wouldn't um, get kicked out of the Army. And so... Like dressing another baby, taking care of another child, you know. And um, eventually, we uh, moved into a bigger trailer house, and he started buying big bags of pot and cutting them up and selling them. So he thought he could make this extra money on the side. And sometimes I would choplift food so that we could have enough food to eat.
0: Wow. This is obviously a, well, maybe not obviously, should be, I guess, a Christian podcast sharing stories. Uh, where's, where's God in this? Are you, are you ever, pre- do you I, ever have days where you're like, God, help me? Would you have ever have days like, Jesus, where, you know what I'm saying? Well, what, was there any of that stuff going on or did you just pitch God completely?
1: No, I did. I would talk to God all the time and I had um, those little Bible story books that um, I would read to Eric. and um, I'd try to play with the kids and make life as fun as I could. But he would take the car on post so I didn't have my car.
0: Mm.
1: And I would... Um, there was two ladies there in the trailer park that had vehicles and sometimes they would take me to town to go buy groceries and stuff um
0: did you feel helpless did you feel alone did you, did you feel kind of like just very single mom yeah raising kids
1: you basically got her. yeah and um I when, when I was pregnant with Christie's, when I found out he was doing all that stuff, and I told him if anything's wrong with her, if she ever has any problems, I'll never forgive you for it. And sometimes when she's sick and has health issues, I am angry still at him.
0: Mm, wow. Wow.
1: I don't know that that's what caused her sure, to yeah. have some problems, but I've then in Carrie too, she my youngest one, she has um, allergies to smoke and stuff like that. She's mm. more sensitive to that kind of stuff. So you know, I don't know what causes that, but when I was pregnant with her, he was. By then, he was throwing dresser drawers at me and kicking the walls and punching the walls by my head and stuff like that. And I had called my parents to see if I could come home, and my dad said no. So when he didn't re-enlist in the army, we moved back here to Carthage. And I thought maybe if he was around his mom, he wooden piece of so violence, mm-hmm. and I don't know why I thought that they drink a lot too. So yeah, you know, I don't know why I would think that. Yeah, I, so I was gonna she say she would be so tough on him.
0: As someone who's walking through that, you just what do you do? You just you just try and mentally mm-hmm. put it away. You, you you try to pretend it never happened, or I mean, in terms of like you know throwing drawer. I mean that that's that's a
1: there wasn't anybody to tell or to talk to about it.
0: And so you just internalize it, essentially. Yeah. You have to just process it yeah. and all then, alone.
1: And then you have to hope that you don't take your anger out on your kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I saw my dad use anger on us kids, and I didn't want to do that because I know how much it hurts. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I failed at that.
0: There's that, that classic... Statement I've heard a bunch of times, hurt people, hurt people, you know, or we have to be careful not to let our hurts and our wounds um, Mm -hmm. then transition out to those that we love the most, Mm -hmm. which can be hard. We might be intentionally or unintentionally doing that, but because of these severe things that we can walk through at times, we can then.
1: That whole time we were in Oklahoma, there was, I don't know of any church that was even close to where we lived. So it was really uh like being on a deserted island. Wow. Kind of.
0: Hmm. So you moved back to Carthage. Mm-hmm. Things don't get better.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, at first he went to work. First he went to work at uh, Leggett and Platt, I think, and then he went to work at the turkey plant. Then he went to Shrivers and. Um, we were within walking distance. We lived right there on um, Maple Street. um, Kind of behind that, there's... Is that a Conoco? I think there's a Conoco station on the corner. And we lived about three houses down. And my friend from church, her mom lived around the corner, thank God.
0: And how old were you at this point?
1: Twenty-two, probably.
0: So still super young,
1: mm-hmm.
0: crazy young. Mm-hmm. Were you? Is your in your in your mind? Were you thinking like this is life? Yeah, this just, is life forever. This just is that,
1: that's what you have to put up with. But I didn't know if I was going to survive it because I had a lot of suicidal thoughts and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if I'd make it. You know, my mom's mom committed suicide and two of my mom's brothers. So you just think it just runs in the family. So I'm Mm. just going to be the next one.
0: Yeah. Wow. So this is deep. I mean, all these hurts and pains are deeply embedded Mm -hmm. in every part of you. But you said you had this friend from, from church or around the corner?
1: From my mom and dad's church. Juanita, she lived around the corner, so if things got bad or violent, I could always run there, you know, and she, um, she would let me and the kids come over, you know, I mean, I was welcome anytime there, she was my other mother, I'd call her, and so the kids and I could go over there and just hang out with her, and. Um, even though she went to the same church as my mom and dad, her talking to me about it felt different, you know what I mean? And and I think the church transitioned a lot in that time where they did talk more about Jesus, and they did um, have grace and mercy. Things started to change in that it wasn't so dictatorship and so all about herbert w armstrong and you know idolizing him so Mm -hmm. much
0: was that the leader of that that church or yes Mm -hmm. okay he's like the inventor of it or the the founder or the father or something like that Mm -hmm. okay yes all right keep rolling where are we at Mm -hmm. Well... I'm excited to get to the Rick Maynard part, you know? Oh, my. It's a long ways away.
1: <laughs> okay, so... Okay, so... Um, the kid's dad, he... Well, he would um, get drunk and high and stuff. And sometimes he wouldn't come home. And when I would walk to the grocery store, I'd see sometimes my car at the... Well, our, our car. He took it all the time. Um. It would be at the motel across from the grocery store sometimes and he supposedly spent the night with some guy he worked with sometimes and i think they had orgies over there or whatever so at their parties Mm -hmm. so there was that and um I was babysitting three kids. I had three kids, and I had a little red wagon. And so that's how I went to the grocery store. I took the kids to story hour at the library. That was our most fun outing we would do. And then on the way back, we'd stop at the A&W, and they could get those little baby and fruit beer mugs. And you know, that's when they had free mugs for the kids if, hmm. if you you know, you buy a root beer, and then the kids all got a free, the little mugs were like okay. about about a, about a shot glass really full of it, okay. because the way the <laughs> mugs are shaped, there's really not uh-huh. much room for pot, but that was a big, big treat for the kids. And, I did a lot of laundry and hung it on the line.
0: I'm sure. <laughs> a
1: lot of house cleaning when you got three of them running around throwing toys around and it never was clean. It just never <laughs> seemed to be clean. And so mm. that would be a good reason for him to come home and give me a beating. So, or he might take his food and throw it across the room push my head down and tell me to clean it up. Wow. He would sometimes jump on top of me and choke me. Hmm. And his eyes would turn that like instead of brown, they would be like a blazing reddish brown. And he would say, why do you make me do this to you? Um, he would come in the bathroom while I'm taking a bath and urinate on me if he felt like it. Wow. Um, just whatever he wanted to do. That's what he did and when he was drinking. And so I tried to get him to go to a treatment center or something like that. Danny Joe Johnson was advertising for one in Baxter Springs and I thought maybe he would go there, you know, when they're um, after when they're having a hangover. Sometimes you can talk to him.
0: Did he? I was going to say, did he feel like he had a problem, or acknowledge he had a problem, or oh, ever feel like I, I need to change? I need to become
1: he could quit better, anytime different. He wanted to. He would say he could quit anytime he okay. wanted to, or to, he, oh. he'd say then you find something else for me to drink. Well, there's Kool-Aid, there's tea, there's this, no, that wasn't good enough. I needed to find him, it was my responsibility to find him something else to drink that he liked as good as he liked beer. Mm. But I couldn't do it. Um, My brother came after the Christmas parade one year to take me to the self-help center. And I took what babysitting money I had hidden and the kids and I went to the safe house um, we stayed there for I don't know how long they only let you stay so long and then you have to find a place or whatever and I ended up going back home and I got a job at the Big Smith overall factory and started working there And um, one day he came to get me and took me home and made me call him and tell him that I was going to quit. And he said he would quit drinking if I would quit working, which he, you know, that probably lasted a week. I don't know. I can't remember. And it wasn't long. I was back in the self-help center. I ended up back in there, I think, two more times before I could really get out and go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, They... Had me go to a psychiatrist and some medical doctors and stuff, and so I could get my cosmetology school paid for. So I, the economic security, paid for that, and I went to cosmetology school. And
0: was that a passion that you had? Was that a dream? Where where did that come from?
1: Because my aunt Sissy did that.
0: Okay. And that was a role model, someone you looked up to, or very much. Mm Mm-hmm. And what was she? Was she like a hairdresser? Was she a?
1: Yeah, she was a hairdresser, and she did hair at my grandma's house in, in the back. Okay. And then she uh, did hair on the square.
0: Was there any connection with wanting in terms of going to cosmetology? Was there any connection and was it more because this relative of yours had done that? You seen that you wanted to do that? Or was there also, was there somewhere in the mix of that you, was there a search for beauty, I guess is what I'm trying to get to. Was there, uh, at at this point in life, did you feel like, did you feel beautiful? Did you feel like a a, a valuable? Did you feel like a woman that was worth anything?
1: That wasn't it. I always wanted to make other people feel better or other people look better. In grade school, there was a girl that her dad would cut her hair with sheep shears.
0: Which isn't good, right? Not at all. (laughs) Sorry. I I, I figured it wasn't. (laughs) I
1: thought if I was a grown-up, I would adopt her, you know? And... um,
0: she must have had really thick hair. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she really, she did. But, I mean, he would just like, chop her <laughs> bangs like this and just chop the sides of her hair like that. And uh, she. Mm. I think she had a really rough, rough life, too, and I don't really think she had friends much, either. But if I could have fixed her, I would have. I yeah. would rather. <laughs> I would have liked to have fixed other people, but I didn't really think yeah. about fixing me really.
0: Mm-hmm. So you went to school. Started going to school.
1: Yes, um, the cosmetology school, and uh, I was out of the um, self help center, and I had an apartment on Seventh and Moffat, and the kids and I were living there, and. I had them in the Presbyterian daycare, and I think one of them was in Head Start part of the time, and Eric, I think, was in first grade because he went to kindergarten here. And then first grade, I think he was in Joplin, and I would walk him to school every morning, and then I'd walk to the cosmetology school It was on Main Street. And uh, one day their dad came to the door and said that he had uh, quit his job at Schreiber's and that he needed a place to stay until the treatment center could get him a bed. They were full right now. That he had finally decided to go do that.
0: Your dad? Or, no, no, your husband? Yes. Yes. Okay, got it.
1: And so I didn't know what to do, so I let him stay there. But then he lied about that because when they called him to tell him he had a bed, supposedly, he told him he didn't need it anymore, that he was going to go to college or something. And he went and enrolled in some classes, I think, at the college that he said that the Army would pay for, which I don't know if any of that was true or not. It was just stories Mm -hmm. he was telling me. But then I would be at school, and he would be shooting pool down the street, across the street from the grade school. But I didn't know what to do, because he could take the kids, you know? And uh, so one day he decided he was tired of hearing me talk about hair. So he threw all my stuff out in the yard and told me to get out, and... Um, It was my apartment, supposedly, I mean, but I picked all my stuff up and I took the youngest one, Carrie, she was standing in the doorway and I picked her up to go with me and I told the other kids to come on, we were going to go back to the self-help center because it was only like three blocks away and uh, they told me they weren't going to go with me because their dad had promised them he was going to buy them fireworks for Fourth of July if they would stay. So they stayed with him, and I went to the self help center with just Carrie. And.
0: You had, how many kids did you have at the time? Three. three? All, all three of them. All three of your kids, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Okay. And um, so when I went there and told them, Bonnie Mann was one of the counselors there, and she took me to fill out some paperwork at the courthouse on Pearl. And. Uh, they told me that it wouldn't do any good because the judge wouldn't sign them but we filled out some paperwork to give me custody of the kids so that I could go get them and he signed it that's where God was because the judge wouldn't have done that Mm so so I went to go get the kids. She took me to go pick them up and they were outside and I don't think he was home. And he had left them with some lady upstairs in an upstairs apartment. And they were outside playing with our daughter and I came to get them and they ran and hid from me. And a police officer or sheriff or somebody was there and he was, couldn't do anything, but he could only stand there and wait for me. And so I talked to him, and they didn't want to come. They said, Daddy's sick, and he needs us. And I said, I know your dad's sick. I've been telling him that for a long time. I've been trying to get him to go to the hospital, but he's a big person. He can call on the phone himself. He knows the phone number. He knows how to dial 911 if he needs 911. They can send an ambulance for him, mm-hmm. you know. He has to take care of it. You can't do it flooring, And so they came with me, and we went back into the center. The next time I got out of the center, I was um, I was seeing a guy that was from Safe Beauty Supply kind of because he went to AA, and I was going to Al-Anon then. That's one of the things they have you do when you're in the center, is to go to Al-Anon. Well, I had started going to Al-Anon in Joplin, or in Carthage back when I lived here, and uh, I would just leave the kids at the house, and Eric would lock the door behind me, and I'd run down to the church for Al-Anon, and I'd run back. And that's one of the reasons why I think I had the, the guts to leave was because uh, the man from AA told me that um, what my kids were seeing at home was what they would repeat in their life. Mm. My son would think that you beat your wife that's what you do and my daughters would think that is love if they hit you and push you around that's because they love you and so um, I think that's what gave me the guts to get out was because no one ever told me it was okay to mm-hmm. leave, you know, except for him. Well, I mean, and
0: so this is your first marriage, right? Because mm-hmm. I know you've been yes. married. Yes. Uh, you're on husband number three, right? I don't even mean that in a bad way, but right? No. Two? Four. Four, okay, got it, got it. okay. So, um, and how old were your kids right now um, uh, during this?
1: Carrie was... Barely a year old. Mm-hmm. And so Christy would be three and Eric would be five, six.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: And then, let's see. And what, wh- Where am I?
0: <laughs> so you were in AA, you're saying? Or what would you refer to at? An- Al
1: Anon. That's for people who love an alcoholic or live in, with an alcoholic oh, okay. or are. Hmm. Affected by alcoholics, it could be a dad, it could be an uncle, it could be anybody, but hmm. who, who, basically, an al anon sometimes gets um, manipulated by the alcoholic, and you have to know how to um, combat that game.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you eventually did you did you get divorced, or you just uh, just yes. mm-hmm. you got out of the relationship? You made that decisive decision mm-hmm. to pull your pull away you and your kids from yeah. a very toxic, yeah. hurtful environment. Yeah. Um, and then you made it through school. Yes. Or you're through school now and then and I'm then,
1: still in, I was still in school. Um got the I got divorced and um I was the in the dispensary where you keep the color and developers and stuff like that the uh, my instructor was teaching me how to purchase so I was the one in the dispensary and so the state beauty supply salesman would call on the school and I was responsible for buying the right things and I recognized him from the AA room because they don't meet in the same room as us but it's in the same building it was up above Wilder's in Joplin, and they met in a different room with us, but then sometimes once a month they have, like, a big dinner, and both groups are together. So I'd recognize him from there, and, um, I don't know. He took a liking to me, I guess. He, when he would go out of town on sales meetings, when I was still living at the center, he would, um, loan me his car he'd tell me to take my take his car and take the kids and go do something fun or whatever and he would buy the kids things um kind of that get to the mother through the children maybe and
0: and this would be a uh, a guy that you would eventually get in a relationship with yes. next or whatever yes and then-
1: after i graduated um from cosmetology school You have to go to Jeff City and take your boards. And so I got a model and I was going to go to Jeff City. Well, she ran away with another guy in the middle of the night. So I had to find another model that morning and took her up on the bus. And I had to um, perm her hair in the hotel room before because you can't have stick straight hair. You can't do finger waves. So then I I did. What happened
0: to the perm? They still do that? Can I still? Can I still get one of those? You sure can. <laughs> you can. I have some farm rods in the garage, as a matter of fact.
1: Oh. Uh, yeah. So after when I came home from boards, and he was taking care of the kids while I was gone. So when they came to pick me up, I had been living in this really dump of a house. The kids and I. I was paying $100 a month rent for it, and it didn't have a heater in it, it didn't have air conditioning or anything like that. It just had kitchen range, refrigerator.
0: You were in that from Rick at the time? It was probably when his rental house. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's a little worse than this some of Rick's. This houses. Guy, this, Trust at the time me. from this guy named Rick Maynard. Yeah, they bulldozed <laughs> it down after I moved out. Does that tell you anything? Right. <laughs>
1: so we called it the dump. And uh, so when I came back, that's where I would be going home to, but the kids were all excited. Oh, Mom, Mom, we moved while you were gone. They moved into this two-story house, but the thing was, so did he. So then we were all in the same house together, living like a family. And um, That's just how it was. Mm-hmm. Why, what choice did I have then? My mom and dad weren't going to let me come home. You know, they didn't the first time. They're not going to do it now. I'm not even going to ask. So
0: so you didn't even at the time view that as a, a, a relationship? Or did what? you consider that person like this is my boyfriend? This is my...
1: Not. He was more like he tried to come on more like a savior because when I lived in the dump, I was out there. By myself with no car. And I had mm-hmm. the girl next door had a car, but the windows didn't roll. D- I mean, the windows rolled down, but the doors didn't open. So we climbed in the windows to go to work, and then we climbed out and then climbed back in and drove back home. But um, but there was a car that would park out there like it was watching our house. I don't know. I thought my ex-husband hired somebody to to watch us or to... Of course, my fear was that he was trying to get my kids away from me. So um, he put a phone in my house. He took the phone out of his apartment and put it in my house. And then, of course, then after I went to State Board and came back, then he had me totally moved. But someone who would loan me their car, put a phone in my house, be nice to my kids, you know, I thought, you know, really, what do I have to complain about? Why would I complain about that when I don't see that happening for anybody else? Yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. from church would do that for me. It's the
0: opposite of what you were experiencing. Yeah.
1: So I just thought I just needed to settle in, and that's the way it was going to be. Well, then um, his boss got um, cancer. And he was going to sell off the territories that the salespeople had in different, different um, kind of cut the map up so they could each have a store of their own. And so we got the one in Nevada, although that wasn't really his territory. Uh, Another salesperson called on that, but he did call on Chanute and Iola, so we got that too. But then we bought that territory and he said we were going to get married before we moved up there but we didn't. It was probably a couple of years after that that we finally got married and that's I think that's because he got tired of being called by the kids last name. Mhm. So he-
0: So what's the lesson learned from this phase of life? We went from growing up in a home with a father that has disability to being molested as a teenage girl to graduating to getting married to having a kid to a husband that's very abusive to escaping and finally getting out of that relationship now transitioning into something that looks better feels better maybe i'm i don't know and now in hindsight what's the lesson learned there from this phase of life what's the god lesson
1: You're kidding me. What,
0: what do you believe what do you share with people in, in terms of your relationship with christ now your relationship with jesus what do you share to encourage people to help people through what you learned from that phase of life
1: well it's hard to live for him when you feel like you're always living against what you believe mm-hmm. and that's what i was doing um we went to church sometimes and We talked about scripture and had meditation times in the mornings and stuff like that, but that's not the same thing as being married, Mm -hmm. you know. um, I didn't keep the kids in church. The girls went quite a bit. Eric didn't Mm -hmm. go as much. He liked to go to the where the farmers market used to be and they traded baseball cards and stuff like that he liked to do that kind of stuff instead of going to church yeah. it's
0: kind of like i'm thinking right now the you ever heard that conversation before people say you know what would you say to your 20 year old self what would you say to your 30 year old self what would you so what do you uh you, you hop in the time warp machine you know aka back to the future uh you go back to that time frame you look Stella, Stella uh, whatever your name was, <laughs> what was your last name at that time? You look at Stella so-and-so in the eyeball, uh, and you say what? Something you could encourage her with, you would tell her, oh, "Do this," you know. I think I think about I think a lot about that in terms of my spirituality. If I could time warp back to, you know, that those, some of those phases and times and those seasons of being a young person, and, I don't know
1: how I could have gotten out of any of it. I didn't mm-hmm. know a way out of any of it. Yeah, the only thing in Al-Anon there was three ladies there that really invested and in maybe a little bit in me and they were strong Christian. And I heard more about Jesus in Al-Anon than I ever heard mm. in church.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of like what I, what I'm getting at is what, what do we do? What do we do as Christians? Cause your story is not an unfamiliar story. I mean, I mean, right. there's people right now that are maybe not the exact same thing, but they're yeah. walking through deep, uh, parts of life that they don't feel like there's an exit they don't feel like they are clueless that they don't know what to do so what do we do then as christians we just just tell them jesus loves them or what do we tell them give them give them a nice little cute little christian prayer and all right what, what do we do with those people you know how, how do we become real real christians how do we how do we really reach and connect with those people
1: I don't know how you can rescue somebody because they don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You, ha- If you're going to reach out the hand, you better be ready to be consistent and, you know, planted in the life. You can't just, like, be there for a day or two and and think that's going to make a big difference because it won't. Yep. It'll just make them think that all of them church people are all the same.
0: <laughs> that that And that's what I'm getting at, you know, in, in a sense is that... Uh, here's what i'm i'm trying to i'm poking at the church a little bit of which i am mm-hmm. i'm a part of is you know sometimes we can uh we could say hey let's go uh, hand out a a basket uh, of goodies mm-hmm. to single moms and for nice, cute little church people, for us, we were like, oh, yeah, that man, that's really good, isn't that? We gave out cute little baskets with mm-hmm. chocolates to church, to, to, to single moms or something like that. And does that really do anything? I mean, it might, it might make us feel good. It might be like, see, we did something really good. Yay. Yeah. But it sounds like you're saying women who are in this situation that you are in need something more. Yes. Need someone that's going to adopt them take hold of them
1: almost yes uh, yeah a mentor grab
0: a, a mentor will teach yeah. them how to get right?
1: out of bondage because they are in bondage but they yeah. don't know it they just what I did was survive and I wanted to live so bad hmm. yeah but you can't live and survive at the same time you have to let go of survival mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm so now, as a, as a woman who's redeemed, that's saved, that's set free, that's in a godly marriage, you know, you, you know, I would say to church people, like, hey, let's let's focus a little bit less on just all this nice little religious stuff that we do. You want to make a difference in in the life of a person? Find someone who needs Jesus, that needs someone consistently in their life to reflect Christ. That's going to require your time, your energy, your effort, Uh, right? I mean, something like, I'm just thinking of your story and how if we as Christians would take ownership over the lives of people and really start investing ourselves in people more than just...
1: And I think that's got to be really hard because the way the world is today, it takes both people in in the marriage to... Um, bring home the money so if you're working all the time you don't have that much time to invest in somebody that needs Mm -hmm. you so if you can only halfway invest in somebody I find myself wondering if I can halfway invest in somebody is it going to make it worse for them instead of better and to question that you know Maybe you should, you know, you should invest more, take that risk and do it. But the fear of hurting somebody worse hmm. is okay. strong too. For
0: her. yeah, I might spin it like this: is maybe there's a Stella in your life today? You know, maybe maybe there's a Stella mm-hmm. around you. You know, that woman who's hurt, lonely, uh, directionless, broken. Mm-hmm. uh what, what you i love the way you said it just a second ago. i just wanted to live All
1: right
0: and we're, we're the followers of christ we have the answer to that mm-hmm. we, we have the answer to tell you how to live and it's comprised of more than just a nice cute little sermon i can show you how to live I can show you how to find life I can tell you about it. I can give it to you. I can model it for you and all these kind of things. Maybe today there's a Stella in your life. There's someone that is broken, that's hurting that needs the model of Jesus to come into their life at just the right moment and to say, you know, there is life. There is life. There's a better direction. There's there's a better path. There's a better way to go.
1: I bet there's a lot of Stellas out
0: there. Yeah. And and we're called to reach them and we all we all got to play our part. We all got to do our thing. We got to Uh, you know, and I'm convicted about that, you know, that, that uh, my Christianity moves beyond, we've said this before, moves beyond the church walls, right? Mm -hmm. That my Christianity moves beyond a nice little Mm -hmm. sermon that I give. My Christianity moves beyond, you know, these religious activities that we do, but my Christianity moves into the lives of people that are broken and hurting and that need hope and that need healing and that, need restoration that need fathers that need mothers that need grandmas that need grandpas that need aunts and uncles spiritual you know i needed that you know there's definitely part uh, in in some of those areas in my life there, there's not the depths of things that i walk through but there's no doubt that when um those phases in life before i met jesus i needed spiritual fathers i needed spiritual mothers i needed people that would come around me and it's when i did get saved it's did it is when uh i I finally had that conversion moment that all of a sudden there was this group of people that came around me that helped me walk through this jesus lifestyle that now has solidified who i am today as a as a man of god as a Mm -hmm. as a child of god as a person of god and now i owe nothing less but to try and find to try and put it in the context of all of our stories Mm -hmm. i need to find that jeremiah johnson that needs hope that needs direction that needs a mentor and and put my life in him i need to find that stella that i can pour into etc etc we all have that and I, and I believe if we would pray that prayer god would honor that you like okay you you want a stella in your life you really you you, you i'll give one to you i will put one there but it's going to require a sacrifice it's going to require you giving your life to that you you want a jeremiah johnson in your life I'll give you one, but it's going to require a sacrifice. So I think uh, we're going to take one more session here, uh, one more episode to wrap up your story. But I, I think that's awesome. I, I think it's um, – I'm more excited to hear the redemption uh, moment. Um, I'm, I'm I'm ready for the I'm married to Rick Maynard, my life is perfect now, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Uh, kind of moment. But along with it, we, we have to hear the, the breath and – The depth and the heaviness of our stories and our life without Christ, and if anything, uh, as people have heard your story, I hope that they are 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 convicted, not not maybe not not in a bad way, but just to realize, wow, you know, there's there's hurting people, there's broken people in the world that need Jesus, that need the people of God, that need legitimate um people of God to come around them. Because I'm guessing in the midst of your story, in these different places that you lived and the places that you were at, I'm I'm guessing there was churches there. Yes. I'm, you know, and, and people of God. I'm sure there there were the people here there, and there.
1: There was a Baptist church that we went to for a little while. And I think through that is how Eric got a um, big brother. They sent a big brother program for him. And he went with this... A young man to the college, I think it was a Christian college here in Joplin, and he took Eric there for movie night and took him to the dorm and they shot hoops, I think um, in the bat in the basketball court and stuff like that and I think of that made Eric want college and believe he could do it, even though you know he didn't have a dad that showed him any of that. Hmm. So that was really a blessing. I mean, we went to that church, and then we went to Central Christian Assembly, some too.
0: well, that's awesome. No. I, I I love hearing your story. Uh, excited to kind of wrap it up in, in the, our next episode. Probably not. Again, we're not going to cover every detail. It's a big book, it sounds like. You got to read yeah. it. Do you have it in paper format or you yeah. get it on Amazon or where can we get it?
1: No, it's not. com. I have it in my computer. Some okay. of it.
0: <laughs> Is it. Are you going to write it someday or what? Maybe. Okay. We'll let the Lord direct you. Yes. awesome hey we 're so grateful that you 're listening to the Grace Point daily podcast and again maybe god 's got a Stella maynard uh, Jeremiah Johnson All I do know is that God is putting people in your life that need Jesus that are broken, need healing restoration all these kind of things I hope this the 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 heavy of this heaviness of this story just just challenges you to let you know that there are people in your life that are broken and need the people of God to come around them so Thank you, Stella, for sharing. Uh, We look forward to wrapping it up with you, but God bless you. Uh, We'll talk to you next time.